Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show episode 249. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for our spoiler review of Moon Knight episode 6, Gods and Monsters, directed by Mohamed Diab. For the writing credits, we have the teleplay by Jeremy Slater and Peter Cameron and Sabir Perzada. The story was by Danielle Iman and Jeremy Slater, who created the series for television. Jeremy Slater did. And Moon Knight is a Kevin Feige production. Before we begin our review, we want to remind you about Fan Show Plus. That is a podcast exclusive to premium subscribers at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. If you search for the MCU Fan Show channel or Fan Show Plus on Apple Podcasts, you can find it there and subscribe so that you can hear us talk about additional MCU news and even things outside of the MCU, like the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+, Plus, for which we will be doing some spoiler review episodes, not some, all of the series we will cover in spoiler review fashion over on Fanshow Plus. So make sure you check that out on Apple Podcasts or at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, and then follow us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fanshow on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you over on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much to everyone who has already taken the time to share their thoughts. And now, on with our show. How you doing, Paul Herman? I am doing all right. Uh, it's been been quite a, a week uh, there, there for us sean we've had the finale of moon knight and a doctor strange film all in the same week and then it's going to be like just nothing for a while well not including star wars of course and our you know special fan show episodes but for marvel it's going to be kind of bare for a little bit um you know for a few months here so no, what do you mean just, a few months it's like a few weeks we're very close to miss marvel on june 8th and then we have thor love and thunder in july we're we're busy, man. You know what's uh, hilarious? I thought Miss Marvel was later in the summer. I'm no, so, I'm so out. No, man. we are wow. so close to Miss Marvel. In fact, Miss Marvel is going to overlap with Moon Knight, or not Moon Knight, Obi Wan Kenobi for a few oh. weeks. So yeah, we will be very busy with well, then, spoiler reviews between. I'm gonna shut my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> between MCU <laughs> Fan Show and Fan Show Plus. Yeah, there's not much of a, a uh, vacation as far as Marvel content is considered. And uh, I am not complaining, and I know that it took us a little longer than it normally does to turn around a spoiler review for a Disney Plus episode. We had Doctor Strange and spent a lot of time talking about Doctor Strange yeah. and the Multiverse of Madness, working out all kinds of feelings for <laughs> Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I know I certainly was. Paul was fine. He was happy. But, uh, I was very yeah, happy. I had a lot to, to get through, and let's be real, still not over it, but uh, we, we press you, on. You, you were more positive than I that I thought you were going to be. To, I think to be it's just honest. I I like to focus on the positive. I generally because I I thought about that too after we did the review, a little behind <laughs> the scenes of my thought process for all you listeners out there. I was like, you know, I pretty much opened with talking about how I wasn't like a super huge fan of the movie, and I spent most of the time saying positive things. And I think overall, there are probably more things I like about the movie than don't like. It's just the things I don't like, I really don't like. And that's so that's where, you know, I got to I got to throw the flag. I got to penalize it. And, uh, you know, we'll see. As I said, I am destined to have a very complicated relationship with that movie. I don't think there's any way around that other than to change the subject, which is why we're here talking about this Moon Knight 
season finale, not series finale, although there hasn't been an official announcement regarding a second season, although the mid credit scene seems to point us in that direction, or does it? I don't know. We'll talk about that when we get to it. But um, overall with this episode, we'll share our overall thoughts on the series at the end of this, but for this finale, I liked it. I don't know that I totally loved it. There might be parts of it that I love. Overall, though, it's positive rating from me for this finale. I enjoyed it. And I, I think one of the things that we'll probably get into as we go over the course of the show is, you know, there's kind of a tendency that we've seen so far with perhaps an exception of Loki where the finale, be it a series or season finale of these Marvel Studios Disney Plus series, is typically not the best episode or typically not my favorite episode of these. And I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. I don't know that the finale always has to be the best episode or anything like that. I think what's also very difficult to process sometimes with these is you spend so much time developing this story over the course of a season. You spend hours with it. We do as viewers. And then sometimes it does feel like a little bit of a mad dash to the finish and maybe this was a finale that could have been broken up into a couple of different parts and spent more time on different aspects of this. I don't know. We'll figure that out as we go over it. But um, yeah, overall, really liked the finale and loved a lot of it. But just overall, probably definitely not my favorite episode. I mean, I think episode five that we talked about last time around, that's going to stand out as the best episode of this season of uh, of Moon Knight. But I would also say maybe this one didn't even quite match episode two for me, which was my previous favorite. So mm. just looking at the numbers, that kind of puts this episode somewhere in the middle of the season, which isn't, as I said, not at all a bad thing. But yeah, it probably would have been even more enjoyable to just have that much more triumphant of a finale. I, I like the I like the finale. I didn't dislike it. I I don't know. I, I think I like the, the finales a little more than I think most people do overall for, for this stuff. And, but this one I do have some issues with, and I think they tried to cram a lot in here that I think, uh, maybe they could have just made it a little bit more, a little more personable, I think for, for moon Knight. but I'll get into that a little bit later, but yeah, overall, I, I like the episode. Uh, I have a lot to say about the series in general, when we talk about the finale or the movie, the ending and everything. So, but I think coming off episode five, Sean, it's just, I kind of prepared myself to be honest mentally. I think if I wasn't, if I was more of a, a rookie of watching this stuff, when I, when I say rookie, just being like, you know, have a super green and just like, Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see what they're going to do next. You know, it's, Oh my gosh. I kind of prepared myself mentally for the fact that I've, I've seen so many of these different shows and uh, superhero shows and all these different things and how, you know, the structurally the stories are written and, and whatever I prepared myself mentally to, to basically say, okay, after such a gut punch of episode five, it's probably not going to just nail it 1000% on that finale. There's just, there was just something in me that said, keep your expectations in check because there's a lot going on in, you know, still that they haven't really revealed. And when I saw the runtime, to be honest, I went, yeah, it's probably going to be pretty compressed into to a, yep. you know, a pretty tight spot. And again, that's not always a bad thing, but with 
I think following the emotional uh, depths that we got in episode five, that again, that was a lot of breathing room. You know what I mean? There's a lot of room for them to really express the emotions and and Oscar Isaac to, to go, you know, ham it up. And I say ham it up in a good way of just like great moments for I think the character and everything. Go to this compressed a little more the third act action packed kind of thing. I just I prepared myself for a little bit of a letdown. Not like saying I was going to hate it, but I just put my expectations in check and they pretty much were met as far as what I expected. There was going to be some things I didn't love. So again, didn't love it. Didn't hate it. I liked it. Um, which you'll see a theme for that for <laughs> this episode. But anyway, I, yeah, I liked it. There's some great, there's some great moments in it. There's some moments I'm like, eh, but we'll get into those. Yeah. I think maybe saying this needed to be two episodes probably wasn't, I, I still think this could have been two episodes, but one thousand at, at I the think, very I think least, so at the very least, could have been longer than what, 44, 45 minutes. And mm-hmm. I, I think that this episode is doing so many different things and it's moving through them so quickly that they just don't have that time to really sink in and have just the full measure of impact that they could have had. I think that's just where some of this really does feel like the mad dash to the finish, and it didn't necessarily need to be. But I also understand the economic realities of such things. And, and certainly this was a big expensive episode for the runtime that it had. And so I, I get it. And you don't just have endless amounts of time and money to shoot everything that you would want to shoot. But I think that's part of the creative problem solving of, of making these things is to make sure that certain things just get the time that they need. And and certain things where I probably would sacrifice a, a giant god fight in, in the background in order to have some of these scenes uh, have an opportunity to really land a bit more emotionally. And I, I don't really feel that way necessarily about the very start of the episode, which is kind of picking up almost concurrently, I would say, with what was happening in episode five, because this is immediately after Mark slash Steven's death. And now we're back there with Harrow and, and going through the body and, and getting uh, Amit and being able to start going through the final phase of his plan to unleash Amit. And so all of that was fine. And, and I thought it was just kind of interesting. Like we knew, and that, the reason why I say concurrent is I'm just remembering the sequence last week where we started seeing all of the souls prematurely uh, going into the duot. And so like, as we saw all of that happening Last week, we're wondering, okay, well, things must have started with Arthur Harrow. And we actually do see some of that with the soldiers at the roadblock and everything like that, that Harrow had already started. But as far as Amit is concerned, when Amit is unleashed and we see her for the first time, I really liked that part of it. And I think I liked it for Amit, but I also really liked it for Harrow because... It's not necessarily to, it's not necessarily me rooting for Arthur Harrow as our antagonist in this story, but I like it when we see an antagonist that has conviction, that's willing to make sacrifices in pursuit, re, real sacrifices in pursuit of what they say is their goal because they believe, even though they may be wrong, they believe that they are righteous in, in what they are doing. They believe that it's necessary that they are somehow. Uh, really, truly the hero of their own story. And that's where it step, It goes beyond cliche to me, because you can say that about, in theory, almost every antagonist is that, well, they're all the hero of their own story and, and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. But 
it's another thing when the villain or antagonist actually backs it up. And we saw that with Harrow here, where when Amit says that his scales are unbalanced, he's like, okay, that means I got to go. I thought I was paying a penance by putting the glass in my shoes, but nope, I've done too many bad things. I'm going to do too many bad things. I'm going to hurt people. So you got to take me out now. But then you see the hypocrisy of Amit being like, well, the last, my last avatar, their scales were balanced and that didn't work out for me. So I need to use you first before we go ahead and kill you in order to get my you know final goal of whatever for Amit. So that scene and that opening, I, I really, really liked. And it's just... It's a credit to Ethan Hawke and, and his performance. I thought he was really great here as showing just the depth of Arthur Harrow's belief and, and his certainty of it that in this moment where he, based on everything he set up until this point, he deserves to be judged and he's willing to accept it, even if Amit is, uh, is not up for it because, again, Amit wants to use him. Well, I am like... This is such a very weird thing for me because, Sean, I I love monsters. I love all that kind of stuff. And I did not expect a walking crocodile literally to be – or I'm not sure what you'd, what you'd call that. Um, you so, know, yeah, after the walking dead bird and the walking talking hippo, you were the, – the crocodile was too much? It's – this is what's weird. The hippo – it felt more in line because of the, I think the, where they were, where she was in, 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 in the context of the story, because you're in like the mental institution. So you could almost could feel it almost fits that, that world. And I, I, you're not wrong. Right. But it was just weird to me that have Harrow and, and cause there were some times, and I'm not sure if it's some of the, some of the uh, design choices and the angles and the light. I don't know, but there were some times I, I felt that Ahmet looked good, like really good. And other times it felt very, almost too cartoony for me at times. Mm. I know that maybe I'm being an oxymoron, but in the context of like, cause even Conchu looks, he looks other, otherworldly and dark and, and sinister. Whereas Ahmet, felt again more like you know the hippo from the previous episode but then we've got it just it was just, it was weird it just it, that one just felt odd to me and i and it it did it took me a little bit to get used to it um and her design and everything so it sounds like maybe that's just me i wonder if other viewers have the same problem but it almost felt a little jarring because again i, I think it's the context of where we're seeing her because in the episode five, it just it almost fits that zaniness. Whereas in ep- now mm. we're in the 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 real world, which is the MCU, which all kinds of insane things happen. But this one just felt kind of there. It was in, not inconsistent, but just there were certain times for me that I just I was like, I looks okay, it looks fine. And other times I'm like, e. well, I don't know if the CG. I mean, I think if the CG are if there are moments where it doesn't totally hold up and it, it kind of sticks out in a way that it's not supposed to. That is what can take you out of it. And I don't think that. I had no problem with seeing Amit and just like I had no problem seeing uh, Tawarit sure. or Kanshu or whatever. Like I'm fine right. with that, but I, I do agree that the CG on Amit maybe wasn't as good, wasn't as strong, you know, consistently as maybe we've seen with some of the other characters in the, some of yeah. the other gods in this story. So that part I, I definitely think is fair. And then as far as the rest of this scene, I mean, one of the things that that happens is. Harrow easily takes out the other avatars. So there's a sudden shortage on avatars and they're going to need avatars in order to defeat Amit. And so Kanshu tries to recruit Layla 
And I, I love the scene between Kanshu and Layla because I love that Kanshu is laying it on thick, like he did with Mark, trying to be manipulative and and explain all the reasons why Layla has to uh, accept Kanshu's help and and be his vengeance, be you know the fist of of Kanshu and all of these things. And Layla's just not having it. And despite the the desperation of the situation, her just knowing that working for Kanchu is not going to be the answer. And even saying, Mark didn't trust you. I don't trust you. So I, I like that showing uh, by, by Layla here in that refusal because we will see yet another level of the deception of Kanchu later on in this episode. And I think seeing what Kanchu had done in the deal he made slash manipulated Mark into in episode five and then seeing a whole other level uh, with it at the end of this episode made this moment mean all the more where you finally get a chance to see somebody stand up to Khonshu and, and not fall for it. Yeah, I actually really like this this part where Khonshu is kind of revealing a little more of what he is truly up to. And I think we talked about this on the last episode is where exactly are they taking, you know, Khonshu? Because from what we can see is that he's kind of a a dickhead, basically, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, he's kind of a bad person. And, you know, before there was it's almost like he was a force of nature, like he's at least in the comic books. That's the way I've always looked at him is like it's it's like a, the whole idea of Galactus, right? Like he he lives to this is his purpose of being is to is to punish the travelers, you know, you know, in the night or whatever, um, or protect the travelers, protect the travelers of the night. And that's kind of like, you know, that's all he knows and it's all he'll ever do. It feels that there's a lot more going on with him than as far as like as a person and his, you know, again, it gives Harold more, a little more, uh, like again, justifies what he says throughout, you know, episode two and other episodes and episode or the episode four, he, you know, they take away his powers or whatever. So, it's it's very interesting to me that we have this episode and or this part with he's talking to Layla and she stands up to him and he's like basically admits like actually no I only wanted to manipulate Mark the whole time which we kind of get I, like you said towards the end you know that last part of the episode here the the cliffhanger or whatever it does it makes more sense of what he really truly is because Mark obviously is he's a, he's a tool he's a weapon and he realizes that and. That was it was both interesting to me, but it also makes me go, hmm, they're really going the, the real negative villain route of Khonshu in this series, which we kind of got we, we got revealed, I think, essentially in episode five. But this kind of, I think, further cements that and I almost feel despite what he does in this episode, Sean, there's almost no going back, especially towards the end, which, again, we keep dancing around that. But that's what to me when that when she did that. And he said, oh, I was, you know, I was just using you. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Was, I knew I was like, this is they're going to this is fully on. It's going to be Mark versus Conchu at some point, like full on. Like, so not just, a, you know, tumultuous relationship. It's going to be no, like you're you are bad for me. I need to get rid of you, which is going to be interesting, um, which I'm not sure if it's a good thing, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I did like this scene, though. I thought it was good because. At least it gives Conchu a little more uh, a reason to stick around Mark because if Mark is so troubled, why is he staying with him? Which we again we get more later. So this least justifies why he's sticking with Mark at least for now. It was really interesting to see the turn, or maybe mm -hmm. the lack of a turn, at 
the very end of the episode in the mid credit scene because this scene and then the new deal that we'll get to that's that's struck between Mark and Steven slash Khonshu, it almost plays like Khonshu is, is being taken that is being taken to task and will have an opportunity to learn a lesson and be a better moon god. And then and it looks like maybe Khonshu might actually care about that. And then you get to the mid credit scene and you're like, oh no. So just as you thought maybe there's some path of redemption that Khonshu is going to walk to where he and Mark and Steven might be able to live in some sort of harmony. It feels, it was already difficult to see how that could happen after episode five, but now it, it feels almost impossible to just see that happen at all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they can they can write their way out of anything, maybe. Um, and, and here's hoping they do with Wanda. Moving on. So oh, wow. I, I think uh, the, the next scene that we get to, though, this is where when I talk about this episode being too short and moving things too quickly, this is one of the greatest examples of, of what I think we've been talking about here, but also one of the worst examples just in terms of how it, it plays for me. It's the Field of Reeds scene and then Mark going back to the duot. Like, I like the choice. I, I like showing Mark in the Field of Reeds. Here's an opportunity for his journey to, to reach a, an end and live in peace, but... He knows he can't live in peace if Steven is just left behind all alone in the duot. So he goes back. And what Mark is saying to Steven is beautiful. Like as he's be- as he's beside Steven, frozen in sand, and saying, you saved me. I survived because I knew I wasn't alone. And talking about how Steven never abandoned him. All of that was beautiful and emotional and a great extension of a lot of what we saw in episode five and really paying tribute to the sacrifice that Steven made for Mark at the end of that, which allowed Mark to get to the field of reads in the first place. But it's just, I don't know, minor annoyance or, or pet peeve or whatever, but to show Mark being frozen in sand and then with Steven and then immediately throw like thaw them out. It's just, it doesn't necessarily let the sacrifice that Mark is making take hold and mm-hmm. I, I also feel like even the conversation between Mark and and Tawaret in in the field of reeds, all of that could have been longer for me. All of that, you know, we could have spent more time in that space with Mark, processing all of that, and also just moving away from it for longer. Let us wonder whether or not you know this is where Mark is going to be stuck or anything like that. Even though I know, of course, it's not going to be. Let me just live in that suspense for a moment instead of like immediately solving it. That was where that whole sequence to me, it feels like, and I know it's technically, I know it's like literally longer than that, but it just feels like it it breezes by in like 30 seconds. It it really doesn't take the time that I think it deserves to really register emotionally. And it's supposed to be a very emotional sequence. Well, you bring up a great point because this is, Exactly what I was talking about, I think, with having the previous episode, Sean, and ha- and getting my expectations in check when I saw the runtime. Not just because I want to see more Moon Knight in costume, which I will definitely talk about that at some point. But I think you bring up an outstanding point because the problem, I think, with, with this episode is that there are there are great moments that 
or there are moments that are good and that they have they're they're set up to be written beautifully like you're saying but because they breeze over them from a lot of different things they take away i think from some of the impact that they could have had or were set up from previous episodes like in the fifth episode which i'm going to talk about a lot in this and i'm i'm going to harp on it um i think harrow is you will we've talked a little bit about him but what I'm going to focus right now on mostly on, you know, I think Steven and Mark here, because here's the problem. You set up a great sacrifice, not just for Mark, but for Steven, too, in the previous episode. And then he goes back for him you're like, oh, man, like that was pretty quick. I feel like there could have been a way for them to really have them be separated and then have their reunite uh, their the re, oh gosh, the reunite um, the reuniting. Excuse me. I could be a lot more impactful and more powerful if they had to struggle more so away from each other, either either way, you could have gone that route. Like, again, you could have waited more for Mark to become Moon Knight, go back from the dead. And then all of a sudden he has to resurrect Steven from his mind or something like that. There's ways to write around that pretty easily, in my opinion. But you get what I'm saying. Like, or like you were saying, have Mark sacrifice with, you know, Steven needing Mark and or whatever. So when they reunite and become that one unifying thing that we get later on the episode, there is more of, I think, an emotional impact on the viewer that we see because it's an emotional impact on the person or the people, right? So I think that is what I think this episode doesn't always do a great job of is really it set. There's such great setup from previous episodes in the series for great moments to pay off and they kind of pay off, but not very well all the time it doesn't always stick the landing and i do think that this was a missed opportunity because i feel that both either character could have had their time in in, in the spotlight to really sh shine for a moment and fight harrow and and you know and all the all the evil people or whatever and have a moment but instead which i like what we get later on but i feel there could have been more emotional impact with it if you could have held off on one of those two like reveals of their sacrifice was you know they came back for whatever reason so i definitely think you're you're right on the money here is that there wasn't enough time to really i think invest in the sacrifices themselves and that is kind of the problem with this episode there's just not enough time to really to really dwell not dwell but to really you know just ruminate on the yeah. the, 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 the decision the the decisions, excuse me, that were, were made. So yeah, I, I'm with you there. This, it was good, but like, it just, why wasn't a little, a little bit longer? Like let the, the suspense like roll out a little bit more. Absolutely. I think that just investing more time in what was kind of the emotional core of the series. And especially as it was played out so beautifully in the last episode to just, give that proper time and attention because that's the other thing, right? Is we, we look at this and, and we say like, this was the, the suspenseful ending to episode five was them being separated. Steven being frozen in sand, Mark in the field of reeds. And so to cut back to that and basically resolve it in one very, very short sequence just didn't feel quite right. Or at least it didn't sit uh, quite right or, or play all that well for me, but Again, it's what we got was very good. I just would have taken and, and enjoyed like a lot more. But mm -hmm. anyway, it does get resolved. And because Mark is uh, gets the opportunity with uh, an assist from Toeret to be able to come back to life, then Conchu senses that Mark is back in this world. So it's time for Mark to be uh, the fist of vengeance for Conchu once again and be Moon Knight and all of that. 
But Steven plays the part of Mark's agent and negotiates a deal that this really has to be the last time. They stop Amit, they stop they stop Harrow, and that's it. No more Moon Knight for Mark and Steven. And Khonshu says that he would release them both, and uh, the, the operative word being both, as we will find out later on in the episode, you have my word. And that's the that's that added layer of deception for Khonshu, is letting these guys believe that he's, he's made a deal. And he, they have. He, he has made a deal with them, but he knows more about the full scope of the situation than they do. So Khonshu didn't technically lie, or at least he... He adhered to the deal he made with them by releasing them both, but not as far as their identities, but not really when you factor in they're all still in the same body as Jake Lockley, whom we will finally meet uh, at the end of this episode, but we'll save that for that scene. Um, Meanwhile, as I said before, there's a shortage on avatars. So uh, Layla, who turned down Khonshu, rightfully so, decides that she will be the avatar of Tawaret. And I, I, I really liked this whole sequence and um, great uh, performance by Mei Kalamaui by uh, doing like the whole back and forth of her as her as Layla, her as uh, as Tawaret and going through even the, the fact that it was Tawaret who escorted Layla's father to the field of reeds and, and all that, knowing that there was despite the violent end of his mortal life, that there was peace in the end for Layla's father is good for us to know and certainly comforting for her to know. But I I liked this uh, sequence. And then, of course, the reveal of her getting the costume and being Scarlet Scarab. If you didn't know what Scarlet Scarab was or anything like that, you're not alone. Even I had to look that one up. They don't say the name in the show. They started talking about it in the social. And I think the the Funko Pop and everything else has the name Scarlet Scarab, which is a superhero, or I actually might even be more antagonist name in the comic yeah. books. Mm-hmm. And not, uh, I was not Steve Rogers having, and those were not flying monkeys. I did not understand that reference uh, when they said Scarlet Scarab. I had to look that one up and be like, oh, okay. Because um, even I was, I was initially confused by the name because... There's nothing, there's not really a whole lot of scarlet in the costume. There's um, a little red, isn't there? I guess, but it's not scarlet red. Um, and I don't think, That's and fair. the scarab thing made sense. Obviously, that was, you know, the nickname that Layla's father had for her. That makes sense. The scarlet part, not so much. And maybe it's just the the repetition of the name because we, we have Scarlet Witch and that name being so prevalent right now with Scarlet Witch being fully present, you know, established at the end of WandaVision with that name, that identity. And then, of course the antagonist in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So I, I don't know, because she's not who the Scarlet Scarab is in the comic books, but it felt like they just wanted to choose a comic book name. They, they could have just given her an original superhero name, really, because she, she pretty much is, and I, I would not have had mm-hmm. any issue with that whatsoever. Not that I'm offended by the use of the name Scarlet Scarab. As I said, never heard the, the that, ident- that comic book identity before, so I have no allegiance to it or anything like that, but... As far as this choice of making Layla an avatar and giving her more of that superhero type of identity and costume, that I thought was really great. And, and I certainly think it added to and it enriches the story and her role in it up until this point. I've really enjoyed her in uh, the series up until this point and seeing her kind of take over as this new uh, as this new MCU superhero. I was on board. OK, I'm going to get a little unpopular maybe here. So. 
Sean, keep me in check, my friend. I, I don't, here's look, the deal. I, I know people are are split on this, so I, I get it. I, and it's funny. I don't. I think I'm split on the split, if that makes any sense. So here's here's my here's my my take on this character. When I saw it, I thought it was an original hero. To be quite honest, I'm like, oh man, they finally did it. They finally created their own like superhero. That's pretty cool. Like we don't know what this character's name is. And then I looked it up and went, Scarab, Scarab, what? Oh. And I looked it up and I vaguely recognized the Scarab only because uh, he had showed up in some Invaders comics that I think I looked at like once or twice. And and when I read that, I'm like, okay, cool. Like they're, I did think it was cool they're digging deep. And I, I think what one thing I think that they, they haven't created a, their own original hero yet, Sean, is probably because everything is on such a tight schedule that they can't really invest a lot of time, I think, and just – you know, investing in names and things like that when you have so many names and stuff you could just pick from. And the Scarlet Scarab isn't a terrible name. It is very much like Scarlet Witch, whatever. So that was kind of an interesting reveal to me. Here's where I have the problem with what they did. It's not anything to do with the actual character or anything like that. Because I actually thought the costume was okay. I thought the character was cool. I liked the idea. Everything about it I had no problem with as far as her as a character and everything. What I don't like what they've done is going back to what we talked about before with such a short running time. And I think from the previous episode of having such an emotional, I think, uh, powerful episode of Mark and Steven, you know, trying to learn to cope with everything and coming together. I feel like it takes away from them a little bit, for, to be honest. I feel like they this should have been more of a focus on Mark Spector. Stephen Grant, Moon Knight, triumphing, becoming united. You know, when you come, basically, to me, it's an, uh, an analogy for becoming, you know, one with yourself. It, whether it be you have multiple personalities, or if you have, you know, a you have problems in your own life for whatever reason, you can use, you can, tr you know, substitute, you know, multiple personality for any kind of massive problem you have in your life. And to me, when Mark and Stephen come together, it is a beautiful moment of of becoming at peace with yourself and accepting yourself for who you are. And that is such a, I think a beautiful message. And I feel like that was kind of taken away because there was so much time put into Layla becoming the Scarlet Scarab. Now, again, I have no problem with the character, the reveal, all is pretty, I think everything is great. I just think that we talked about it already, but I'm just going to hammer it home here. It's my biggest criticism. I feel it takes away from Moon Knight, the main character. I feel it, it just, it, there was less impact because there was so much time and, and, and screen screen time and effort towards that character to build her up in this episode that just, it makes me go, this is Moon Knight show. This is not the Moon Knight and Scarlet Scarab show. And that's where my main issue is. I think they could have saved her for later on. They could have built her up, you know, whatever. I, I don't know how they could have done it in, in differently. It may because I'm not in the writing room, but my main issue is I feel they should have focused way more on Moon Knight. And I feel like there was a great, and it still was a good moment, but again, less impactful because there's less time to really focus on what's going on. And that to me was after the beautiful, again, one of my favorite episodes ever for anything superhero related ever is episode five. And I, and you've heard the last episode, you know how much it means to me. It was a, a little bit of a letdown. It wasn't a huge letdown, but it definitely let me down 
for me as wanting to see Mark and Steven come together, unite and have that powerful moment. And you still have that, but I feel there's so much time built in to Scarab and Layla that it just, it just, it, it felt less like Moon Knight show to me. And that was my main issue. I know we need a supporting cast, but for me, I just think that there could have been a better, either uh, you could have waited to do this or do this on a different time. I don't know, but it didn't feel like Moon Knight's show in this in this episode. It felt like he was like the, the co-headliner. And I didn't really like that. And that's just my take on it. Maybe people have issue with that, but that's where my, my opinion's at with this. Well, I totally understand that you want the Moon Knight show to be a little bit more about Moon Knight in the finale. I don't necessarily blame this part of it on Moon Knight, not slash Mark slash Steven, not necessarily getting the full attention that all of that deserved. Cause I, I think you could have had both. And, and frankly, I don't even think that much time was devoted to Layla and Scarlet Scarab because in rewatching the episode a couple times at first, I, I may have felt a little somewhat similar to you, not in a negative way. Like I didn't have any issue with it, but in playing it back, you realize I was really impressed by May Kalamaui, honestly, as, as the actor in this, because I was thinking, wow, she has to do a lot in a very short amount of time in this episode. If you go back and actually look at these scenes, they're not very long. It's these very brief conversations with Toeret having briefly taking over dead bodies to kind of just even set up the idea that Layla can be uh, Toeret's avatar. And then how do they do it? Meg Kalamawi literally has to have a conversation with herself playing these two characters, and, and she has to speed through it in a way that Oscar Isaac never really had to in these conversations between Mark and Steven. And I think that's just where, overall, I, I think this episode just rushes some things that it didn't necessarily have to. And if this got to be an hour-long finale or potentially being split into two different episodes, I think we could have had everything that Mark slash Steven slash Moon Knight deserved and paid proper attention to this and the emergence of uh, a new superhero. And going back to that point about just the the name Scarlet Scarab, it's fine. Take a name from the comics. It's all good. But I really was hoping, like, when they called her Scarlet Scarab, I was like, oh, is that, like, a new superhero identity that they created for the MCU? Because at this point, I think the MCU has earned that right. The MCU has earned the right to create, like, a brand new superhero that is not from the comic books at all. Totally new name, whatever they want to do. They've earned that over the course of how many hours of stories that they've been telling over the course of all of these movies, all of these episodes of Disney Plus series now. It's time. Like, I think it's well past time for Marvel to be, for Marvel Studios to be able to do that. And I kind of wish they had, because they pretty much did. And then they just didn't use a brand new original name for this character. And I think they very well could have, maybe should have, but as I said, the name's fine as it is. But I think that's something that, since they didn't do it with this one, at least not in name, it's still something they should consider. I know they want to pay proper tribute to the comic books, but I think they've done that. I think they continue to do that. And this is me digressing a bit because it's not really that much about this show. But yeah, certainly they, they've earned the right. If they want to have a brand new original superhero, um, yeah, or supervillain or both, whatever they want to do, uh, yeah, the MCU can absolutely do that because yeah, they've they've been in this space and they've made valid contributions. And 
you know if they made one that that character would be in the comic books anyway. Um, cause not every iconic comic well, Coulson, book, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess there's Coulson, but it's not the same, right? Creating. Right. Right. But he's still, that's, it's still he, cool. Yeah. And we've seen it. Like, it's not even the first example of a character being introduced in well, another yeah. medium. And I mean, obviously the biggest Harley example Quinn. is Harley Quinn who yeah. started in Batman, the animated series, and then eventually made her way into comic books and then into movies and back into animation. And, and you all know the story, but yeah, I think the MCU could totally do that, not just with a great supporting character like Phil Coulson, but with a, a full-fledged superhero. But I will I will discontinue this, uh, this digression and, and move on to uh, where we are at in this episode. And it's really the let them fight moment. And it's all across the board with Moon Knight versus Harrow, but also, and then, of course, Scarlet Scarab getting in on that as well. And then it's also Khonshu versus Amit. And there are so many cool shots in this sequence that I, I just, I love so much. I mean, even Moon Knight flying toward that battle, um, I, I thought was great. Uh, that I, I thought was just so awesome. So, uh, so well done. And um, I mean, there's the great shot of uh, the, the knee strike to Harrow's jaw for Moon Knight. I, I thought was awesome. And as the battle just continues and, Seeing, even though I said, you know, I didn't necessarily need the money being spent there, it it may not have been my choice, but it's, these things aren't necessarily either or decisions. I did like the visual, though, of Moon Knight and Scarlet Scarab versus Harrow and Harrow's followers on the ground. And then behind them, you see these giant gods fighting as well. That visual was very, very striking and, and very cool. And there's other uh, great moments in the fight. Like, I loved... When you took Stephen Grant's realization from last week that, you know, if Mark's got this, I've got this too, and springing into action that now he can fight with confidence as Mr. Knight was awesome. But then still being Stephen Grant and still maintaining his personality, like in the middle of the fight, fixing his suit um, was really, really great. So there's a lot of cool, uh, a lot of cool stuff in there. And um, I'll... I'll pause for this now because I also want to talk about the return of that mysterious third identity and whether or not uh, Mark and Steven should have been paying more attention to that. They totally should have. Um, but yeah, as far as the the fight aspect of this and the action and everything, I thought was really cool. I had a blast with this part. This was, I think, my favorite part of the show because, or this, this, this episode, mainly because I... I very much in torn on the liberties they've taken the character and the direction of the character of Moon Knight, which I'll get more into at the end of the show. And there's lots of good. There's lots of bad. One of the more positive, I think, and I say liberties because of the example of Moon Knight changing costume mid fight. Super creative and interesting. And I really liked that, even though it's a, it was a little jarring. And they've kind of set that up in the previous ep uh, the first episode, like where Mark and and Steven are going back and forth, uh, which, again, going back now, that first episode makes a lot more sense. And it helps me. It makes that six episode, the part that I love, the favorite part of the episode, it, it sells it. And, it, and it's a great setup now looking back. But I love the idea of 
these two characters working together, knowing their strengths and weaknesses of each time and like, hey, let me take over. I can help out here. Instead of fighting against each other, they're accepting it. And when they do, they do change that costume. That was really cool. Having that mid costume and seeing Mr. Knight and, you know, I'll say mummified Moon Knight, if you will, which is more of a traditional Moon Knight costume, which I love. It was really cool and really interesting. Like you said, like this is where I like the Scarab actually there. I mean, in the, in the big monsters fight in the back, it was a lot going on. I appreciated what, what, what was there and it actually looked really good. It definitely felt Marvel finale, uh, origin finale, if you will, Sean. Like uh, kind of shades of, uh, for Lord, not like Doctor Strange, but kind of like that where it was, it wasn't like a end game or Infinity War ending, but it was like, it was still got, there was still like a lot of going on. And for a TV show, I thought like, man, there's a, there's a lot of special effects and, and it was handled very well. Uh, the monsters fighting in the background was, is interesting and cool and unique. I think that's why I think I liked the episode overall is because there was a lot of, even there was a lot of swings and there was a lot of, even though they rushed a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stuff. I did feel that for what they did, there were a lot of really, really interesting things with the, with this whole like end finale fight. So one of the more creative, I think overall Marvel, uh, and fight scenes, if you will, in all the MCU, maybe like not barring like the major like Avengers or, you know, Endgame, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Or No, no Way Home uh, kind of things. It's one of the more interesting, maybe one of the better ones, to be honest, just because of the, of the fight scene itself, not the whole thing, but the fight scene I thought was really unique and interesting all around. So, yeah, I, I loved all this. And again, something I wasn't expecting. But again, when I, I try to keep my expectations in check. And because of that, I got something out of Moon Knight that I thought is maybe something they could even adopt in the comics now and have them rotate. Well, they kind of do that already, but it's it's not more mid-fight. It's more of like kind of he kind of goes back and forth in different times. But uh, but yeah, I, the mid-fight going back and forth, the costumes was really, really interesting and uh, I think a cool take. Yeah, I liked it visually. I thought it was great. And that's where it's certainly going to be a lot of fun to revisit this finale because of this sequence. And so it's not me saying I don't like that this kind of stuff. I love this kind of stuff, but I also, I want to have this. I'm greedy. I want this and I want mm -hmm. the more emotional side to all be part of the Absolutely. finale all at once. Cause that's what makes it uh, really, really great and, and really, really special. But the, the thing that I was alluding to moments ago where I, I did take issue with this segment was I mean, it was a little dissatisfying as a viewer to just skip out on the defeat of Harrow a little yeah. bit and just not see it. But I also understand there was a valid story reason for it, except I just didn't feel like the characters reacted to it the way that they should have because it was fine to... I mean, because they've teased this third personality, right? We remember in episode three, was that you? No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me either when there was this third ultra violent even more violent than mark identity and then there was the sarcophagus that was rattling around that they did not uh, they did not free whoever was in there uh, at the end of episode four and with everything mark and steven were going through reliving experiences learning about each other and everything else in episode five it made sense that they had lost track of this third identity because there was a lot going on going on it was a very heavy experience for them but seeing as how they were able to resolve their conflict with each other so much so that they found that balance uh, between the two of each other and 
and all of that, like this reminder of a third identity where they both, and they should know that's what it is if, because they, they know the mechanics of what the dynamics were between the two of them. If I don't remember something or if I black out, then it's the other guy or so that way, if it's, if there's a blackout and it's not Steven and it's not Mark, well, it's got to be somebody else. And I felt like they should have been wondering about that. Maybe not right in that moment. There was still a job to do to contain Amit within Harrow and they succeed in that. And, and that's great. That's fine. But they shouldn't have been as at peace with it and feeling like they were that, that it was all resolved and they and, and feeling safe and, and whatever else. Um, and. I certainly hope that should we get a season two or the next time we see these characters all housed within this one body, that there is a lot more wondering about what exactly the hell is go- is going on. Because clearly there's a third guy here, at least a third guy here. Um, and, and Mark and Steven, I, I think, should have been wondering about it a little bit more. And I feel like they suppress that just for the sake of having the surprise of the mid credit scene. Yeah, that was... <clears throat> I agree, Sean, that that was a little jarring. And especially when they've already kind of, like you said, they've already kind of shown us and hinted at this third person. It feels that this third person should have been revealed. And because we don't because, again, you're, you're keeping the guessing, I think, for like everyone a little bit like, well, what does this mean for for Conchu and for Mark and for Steven? Like, what is what does that mean? It, it still will keep the, the average viewer guessing, in my opinion, maybe I'm giving them you know, none of credit. I don't know, but I feel like you could have shown that because that was very jarring to me again. Kind of, I, I go back to the first episode where I'm like, I didn't love that, but then it would pays off a little bit more with the, with the setup of Steven and Mark Wayne interchangeable, you know, interchanging. But with this, when you kind of do that, you do that again, but now you're trying to pay off an end credit scene and you, you, the main conflict with the, you know, the antagonist, you just skip over. It's like, what? it's it's a choice i again it's not my favorite choice that was kind of a bad call i think because you miss out i think on what i think going back to again i'm I'm a i don't want to keep repeating myself here but because we have a short episode i think ethan hawk and har and harrow they got shortchanged a little bit uh because I I do feel there was there's more great stories or, or there was a great potential of the talks between Mark and and Harrow because of episode two. I go back to episode two and that great talk they you know, with Stephen and uh, you know and and our Harrow have and and then you know they have this fight and you know they finally have Harrow at his, at his, his most powerful and, and Mark and Steve you know, Mark and Stephen are at their most powerful and and all of a sudden they black out and he's he's done. It's like what? It's just. I feel like where again talk going back with what you said, Sean. Where is that emotional depth and umph that we need that was set up by both great actors that was just skipped over? It's just that wasn't the greatest decision, and I think that definitely, I think, kind of lingers over the rest of the episode, especially towards the end. And and to be honest, Sean, I'm going to say it right here without going to the end quite yet, it kind of ruins the the end credit scene for me in a little bit. So, um, but. But yeah, not my favorite part. And I agree with you. It's it it was that was probably not the wisest choice they made. I was fine with the choice to to skip it, even though, as I said, it's visually a little dissatisfying because you just want to see your hero defeat the villain. But I also understand why they didn't do that. Like they withheld that 
satisfaction because they were, you know, continue because the story was going to continue. And, and ultimately, Harrow is not Mark or Steven's true enemy. Not right. Like this is not the yeah. main conflict that these characters have to resolve. I mean, it's it's Conchu, it's Jake Lockley, it's themselves, right? It is part of what they they have to resolve. So I I'm okay with it. Like so, it's just from that visual perspective. Yeah, you, you like to see the hero just flat out best the villain, and, and we skipped past that part, but we still got a lot of great action in it. And Harrow, I thought, got a great opening scene in this episode. You know, did get to monologue a bit and, and talk some smack on on Mark slash Steven. So he, he got some words in before it was all done. But yeah, I, I, I do agree with that to an extent, though, that, yeah, Harrow. I mean, none of these characters really got quite all that they deserved in this episode because it was rushing through the more emotional beats to, I don't know, get to this action or whatever it may be. But yeah, it, it's an episode that that really could have had both. Um, and, and the best of all worlds, and, and it, yeah. it, it didn't quite in in certain aspects, as, as we've uh, pointed out here. But as Amit is contained within Harrow, we do get there is a good emotional piece to this with uh, Mark's temptation to kill Harrow and Kanchu pushing for that, and Layla just reminding Mark because. Mark has felt like he's been imprisoned by so many things, right? Imprisoned by the trauma that stems from the loss of his brother, the abuse from his mother, and of course, being confined to this relationship with Kanchu and bound to this deal that he made. And Mark feeling like, you know, he he can't be free. He's had he's had no choice or whatever it may be. And, you know, there was some progress here where I, I do want to give this episode some credit, even if it didn't necessarily spend as much time on these moments as I, I think it could have. It's at least getting there in, in these pieces. Like the fact that Mark and Steven negotiate a deal, even though, you know, Kanchu outsmarts them with it because he knows more than they do. At least they tried to negotiate a deal before they continued to move forward as Moon Knight, that they actually banded together to try and negotiate against Kanchu and get a better deal for themselves. And then in this moment, where Layla, you know, helps Mark realize, like, you may not feel free, but you are. You can choose whether or not you do this right now, and, and ultimately, he doesn't. And that's the part that I, I thought was, I, I liked that moment of, of bringing that to an emotional head of, you know, giving Mark an opportunity to choose whether or not he he actually follows through with this. And he chooses not to. I mean, Kanchu is going to make a choice for him through Jake Lockley eventually, but that's not uh, that's not on Mark. He he made the right choice in this moment, um, and it was regardless of whether you think Harrow slash Amit needed to be killed or stopped or whatever it may be. It was very important for Mark to feel like for the first time in a long time uh, that he had the ability to choose. I think one of the benefits of having this story aspect, Sean, is I think and I think you would agree. Tell me if you won't, obviously, but. I think Not at all. definitely no, I don't oh, <laughs> moving on. No, <laughs> no. Uh, I think what it does set up is uh, we talked a little bit before the show and maybe in the, in previous episodes, just how complicated this relationship with Conchu and, and, you know, how much how they're going to go do uh, go with the relationship going forward. One of the positives of, of what they're doing here is I think you're setting up the fact that Mark is developing the will and to stand up for himself and say no to Conchu and have that power over Conchu. 
because I think if there is going to be a uh, uneasy alliance eventually, which again, we'll go back to the end, end credit scene. We'll get to there eventually. But if there is eventually going to be resolution with that in a season two or whatever, Mark's gonna, Mark's going to have to have an uneasy alliance with Conchu, and we're going to have to not think of Conchu as a big old butthole, right? So at some point, he's going to have to have power over him. This is that first step. And I think that's what's important for this part. And that's why I think I like it um, in that aspect. Because eventually, Conchu is going to have to cave to Mark. And that's what I'm, and this is the first step of Mark taking ownership. And, and again, that whole idea of becoming at peace with yourself, right? Like I talked about earlier. This is a continuation of that. This is some of that good writing I think the show has done a great job of, of that I think that I wasn't necessarily expecting from the series that we're getting in the series. And I thought that Oscar Isaac has done a great job and, and the writers have done a great job of developing that with Mark and Steven specifically for the most part. And this is just that first step of eventually paying off, I think, for for Conchu to be letting Mark kind of have more control over himself and less and, and having Conchu less control and that uneasy alliance being more in Mark's favor than not in his favor. Um, so I think that is where I kind of tend to be more. I'm really I'm cool with this idea, but that's where I kind of land with it. I have a, a harder time seeing that being what's actually going on here, at least that's what not that's just not what I feel like they're presenting to us at the same time mm -hmm. they can maybe get there because it, it is different like this is such a different view of Conchu that mm -hmm. you know we have in this show compared to what I might be more accustomed to from the comic books where this is a very antagonistic relationship and a very toxic relationship for um you know for Mark and for Steven and everything that this is something where, Kanchu basically has to con them into this deal where they still get to be available to him or he still gets to use uh, Mark's body through this other identity. And the fact that he is continuing to lie to Mark and Steven and prey upon and, and take advantage of Mark not knowing how uh, damaged he is, as Kanchu puts it later on in the, the mid credit scene, like I think it's pretty hard to walk this back, but... I'll probably say more about that when we get to uh, the mid credit scene, but be, I, I don't want to skip over the ending before the credits, which I don't follow a ton of the debates and arguments, whatever that, that people have about these movies and these shows on, on social media. I, I just don't have the time or, or frankly interest in it. I, I, I think what I think about the shows and I talk about it with the people that I enjoy talking about it with, but I can't keep up with every opinion that's out there. But I have heard and and just kind of felt it. And a lot of times I get to just be oblivious to what everybody else is thinking or what a lot of other people are thinking about these shows because I just I don't have time for the Twitter fights. But I've been able to pick up on this finale being divisive might be too extreme of a word for it, but it, it's certainly been something where uh, I know not everybody is a, a big fan of it. And it's I, mixed. I think that the ending might play a part in that because I could certainly see how it might be confusing and, and it might be a little, wait a minute, what's happening sort of moment because you've been told that Mark and Steven have kind of found their balance. They've, uh, they've got this harmony together and, and now everything's sort of fine, but wait a minute, 
we're back in the psych ward, but now it seems like, you know, here's Mark and Stephen like rejecting the idea that this is all fake, that this is all imagined in their heads, that this is real, and the reality of Harrow's uh, feet bleeding mixes into that. And then now they're waking up in bed and we've got Engelbert Humperdinck again from the first episode and they've been chained to a bed. And so now we know that they're still having these, um, you know, these blackouts or these dreams that may or may not be real and, and whatever else. And so if you were thinking that episode five and episode six clearly defined all this stuff is really happening and we saw all that we needed to see in order to understand this. And now all of a sudden at the end, we don't. If that's frustrating or it's just not satisfying to a viewer, I totally understand that. I didn't bump up against that at all because, well, for uh, multiple reasons. I mean, I think for starters, this was to some extent to be expected, although even I think I even said it on the show, I felt like we would probably have a more definitive answer of whether or not this is real by the end of this season and then we would carry forward. I don't think we quite have that, but that's not that's not out of bounds for Moon Knight because the the comic books do go back into this territory. I mean, maybe not uh, as recently, uh, maybe not as much recently in the comic books, but there's time where the comic books do um, reopen this discussion and go into this idea of whether or not this is real or whether or not it's all in Mark's head, whatever it may be. And so I, I think it's fine for the series, for the live-action MCU to play in that territory and and leave you questioning the nature of, of all of this. It's fine for them to do that because I think the comic... Well, but it's not... Just because it's in the comic books doesn't make it good, but it's been good, and it's been enjoyable in the comic yes. books. So I understand and, and have seen the potential of it in the comic books, so I believe in the potential of it creatively in the live-action MCU or even an animated form in the MCU with What If and, and everything else. So that part, I think, is fine. At the same time, I do think this episode gives you clues to help make sense of what's happening here. And it's not just, it's not entirely dependent on the mid credit scene, although that helps a lot. The fact that you do have a blackout here in the middle of that final battle, that's where it helps out, and that's where it really becomes useful. If you didn't have that, or at least a moment like that somewhere in this episode, then I think the last few minutes before the credits really kind of come out of nowhere for you. But I think they they showed you there's still something else going on here. And uh, there there is something that Mark and Steven don't really know or understand. And then they define for you what that is in the mid credit scene. So I think the ending of this works. I, I understand if it wouldn't necessarily feel satisfying with those closing moments of the episode. Um, I, I do get it if you were craving more definitive answers and didn't quite get them, but I, I still think it's it's pointing you in the direction of, of this being real, and you know I, I think eventually we'll get that question answered in a more definitive fashion when inevitably, I think anyway, Moon Knight starts teaming up with other characters in the MCU. Yeah, I I definitely like the idea they're they're still playing with playing with it a little bit because that to me is is going back to I think the strongest run of the character, which is by the the Greg Smallwood Jeff Lemire run, which I referenced. And and 
so I, I definitely like the idea they're they're not just out there being like, oh, it's all a dream or it wasn't all a dream. It's it's playing with reality. And I think there is a lot of strength there with Moon Knight as a character that I think you could do a lot with creatively. But like you said, Sean, eventually Moon Knight's going to have to uh, if he if he's going to be successful, he's going to have to eventually show up and recognize w- and establish where exactly he is in the MCU. That's just reality, you know, no pun intended. <laughs> um, you know, that's just the the truth of it. And I think that I like the idea that, that you can play with it, but eventually once an MCU character or more those real events come into play, that's when his it'll be established. But at that point, I, I think so too, that if they if there is a season two, which I'm assuming there's going to be, more on that later, but assuming there is going to be a season two, once they do establish whether or not what is real is whatever he comes in contact with a character or a timeline, uh, gets concrete. Like he a flashback and you know, whatever, like it gets blipped or whatever, you know, something like that, that gets established. I think that's when it, all the reality stuff will, will cease to like happen. And then you can just move forward with the character going, Oh, uh, kind of going forward. And that's when they'll probably focus more on the aspect, in my opinion of what I talked about before that, and that more of uneasy alliance, uh, uh, relationship between Conchu and Mark and the personalities that he has, uh, with them. So I think that's probably what's going to end up happening if they do a season two, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I didn't mind that part of it. It's what I think the, ending itself with what they show us it gets kind of like but but yeah i I think that stuff was not so much my problem it's kind of how they ended the actual episode itself with the uh the stinger cliffhanger whatever you want to call it the tag as they call it but um, yes the tag excuse me well speaking of which um yeah so this finally introduces us formally to jake lockley so we catch up with Harrow, and remember, Amit has been confined to the mortal form of Arthur Harrow, meaning if Harrow dies, Amit is gone forever. Mark had a choice, was free, decided not to kill Harrow and therefore kill Amit. But Kanchu was not done. As we catch up with Harrow at the uh, Sienkiewicz Psychiatric Hospital, yeah, that being a reference <laughs> yeah. to legendary artist Bill Sienkiewicz, Ooh. legendary Moon Knight artist as well. I mean, lots of yeah. other stuff too, but yeah. uh, legendary in, in the space in the Moon Knight space uh, certainly. And so I like that Easter egg. I like you know the specter on the license plate, which was straight out of the comic book. So that was all cool. Some nice touches there. But anyway, we see uh, we can clearly tell that that's oscar isaac's voice uh speaking spanish but like we can still hear that that's oscar isaac's we're like okay here's the third identity and uh because it's it's off camera at first at least we don't see the face as arthur harrow is being wheeled out and he's led into the back of a limousine he gets to and arthur harrow now gets to hear and see conchu it would seem which is not a voice that harrow said he could see before now he can um i guess conchu's letting him or whatever it is i don't know all the mechanics of it anyway Kanchu is even kind of you know bringing up the deal that he made and how um, they they never would have made that deal if they knew ju- if Mark knew just how damaged he was and that's what Kanchu was taking advantage of and Kanchu introduces Harrow and us to Jake Lockley and it's that same face with you know although. It's Oscar Isaac's face, just a different version of Oscar Isaac's face like we've had That's for for Mark Spector and <laughs> Stephen Grant. 
and uh, introduces Harrow and us to Jake Lockley, who promptly kills or shoots and kills Arthur Harrow. And uh, and that's it for our season of Moon Knight. And we talk about adding these different layers to the deception of Khonshu, the, the manipulation of Mark slash Steven by Khonshu. Even though it, I, I feel like they might be writing themselves into a corner as far as how we perceive Khonshu as an audience, there are ways to write themselves out of that. There's also the question of whether or not they really need to. Maybe they're fine with the idea of Khonshu just being manipulative and more antagonistic, and and that might be the way it's going to go. Although that feels like a very short-term proposition because yes. like, how can Moon Knight be a long-term character in the MCU if we feel like this relationship is so unhealthy and toxic and contentious and, and all of that like it's really hard for us to um i don't know it's definitely hard for me to think about like conchu in some sort of favorable light or or anything even close to that so that's where it's, it's going to get tricky and i'll be interested to see what they do with that as they move forward with these characters but just because there's that question of, of what they're going to do and i'm wondering about it and not knowing where it's going to go from here. That doesn't make it bad. It's good that I'm interested in wanting to know where this is going to go from here. And I think this is a good enough payoff for now, you know, the partial payoff while we wait for more information, whether that's in Moon Knight season two or wherever these characters may appear next. I'm on board with all of that. And like that part I did find exciting. And I, I like the way they've, I, I like the way they took the Jake Lockley identity. And I think they've added more intrigue to it with the way that they've done this because I think Jake Lockley was kind of the, I don't know, the, the third and, and easily, most easily forgotten about identity within these characters, within Mark Spector. And I, I think the way that they have put this together in, in the MCU, I, I like it. I, I think it adds something to it and it is it is paying off a little bit what we've been seeing, what they've been building to throughout this season of there is this third identity that is the most dangerous and the most complex. And that's going to be very, very challenging for Mark and, and Steven to deal with. I do think they should have been wondering about it after what happened in, in the final battle. But at, at the same time, the what, what we learn here and the questions that it prompts all of that I, I really enjoyed, and it certainly gives us something to look forward to. As I said, the next time we see these characters, be it in Moon Knight season two or wherever else they pop up next. The Jake Lockie reveal, what, like you said, Sean, Jake Lock, Jake Lockley is, as I said before, he's the most inconsequential. He's the most just kind of passive, um, you know, looked over aspect of moon knight in my opinion overall because you know in the comics he's he's strictly just a cab driver who sits at a you know at a diner and gets information from crowley talks to gina and the boys and then takes off his mustache goes home to uh marlene and has a wonderful night <laughs> i mean that's basically what jake lockley is and then and then he'd get up at like Oh, Merlin, I gotta go, go scour the streets of Jake Lackley and find out what's going on. Get, get my nose, you know, get my nose and dirty. And then, uh, that's it. it. It, and so the change is, is, is whatever it, it's just, it's weird that to me, they, they went this route in general. And as far as overall, and the fact that Jake Lockley is just more funny to me more than anything. 
I didn't love how this was how this ended. I I, I definitely was just like I didn't like killing off Har- uh, Harrow, even though I don't know if he's gonna, I mean, he's not really dead. He can easily be alive, you know. He's an avatar. He wasn't yet. Whatever. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, mean, we didn't it, exactly it, see where the bullets hit him. So yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't know. I mean, I like I said, like I, I think there's there's ways you can bring him back, and I think that Ethan Hawke and and is not permanently dead, especially considering I think how critically acclaimed he was. I think people really liked him uh, overall, and he's such a you know great actor. And you just don't throw that away. I mean, Marvel has been really good for, with, oh, look, for the most part. We literally stuff. just watched an Avatar come back from the dead in this episode, it, right? Exactly. I mean, I do think the implication is definitely that that Harrow he died. Did. Like, I know we didn't see where the shots hit him, but we know what Kanchu wanted to do. And it yes. seems like uh, Jake Lockley, I mean, he killed like, uh, he killed one of the people at the psychiatric hospital from the dead body we saw there. And like, what did mm-hmm. that guy do? Nothing as far as yeah. we know. So Jake Lockley's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, but, yeah. but the thing is, Here's the thing. Like well, I, he, that guy must have done something bad, right? Because right. uh, that's that's yeah. Conchu's rule. Yeah, it, yeah. He, it, it's almost, it's kind of like he, the scales are unbalanced a little bit, a little bit like that. Um, the what I'll end with this is, I don't know if you if this was the right way to end with with the tag. I think it was a. I think if you could have ended it on this and then have a tag in addition, but with this as a tag, I feel it feels kind of off to me for some reason. So that. That's just how I take it. It wasn't my favorite tag in the world. I felt it just makes me go, huh. The one thing, and this is kind of just me reading, you know, things here or there. And I don't know how official this is, Sean, but I think it, the costume designer has been on. Someone referenced the costume designer saying that how they can't wait for Jake Lo, uh, Jake Lockley's Moon Knight costume, mm. and I was like. Huh. And it's going to be more of the black and white one that we see. That's more. It's again back in that Ellis uh, run that they reintroduced, where he's he's going between the three different costumes, basically of Mister Knight, the regular Moon Knight costume, and then right. that more stealth, I guess you could say, which I which they made an action figure of, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I do, I again I, I like all the costumes for Moon Knight, but that one's a little. More, I don't love it. I don't wouldn't want him to wear it permanently, but I like the idea that they basically they referenced that that would be the costume that he would use. So I'm like, huh, that's kind of cool, actually. So I do like that aspect of like all of a sudden there's this even more grittier, like like back in um, back in the mid 2000s when they re- reintroduced Moon Knight. He's a very gritty like he's almost like Jake Lockley, you could say. So there is that aspect of, you know, Kevin Feige referenced Moon Knight that was brutal. You know, that's what this which he, I think he meant brutal in a much different way. But going that is the character. He's a very brutal character uh, physically, too. He's, he, you know, he mauls people. He does maul that jackal in episode one. But I think with Jake, with season two, which I do hope we get a season two, it, I want to see that that Jake Lockley actually go cut loose and not cut away from it and actually see it and see him be Moon Knight and have him and have him struggle going back and forth of containing himself. Cause that's kind of the interesting part of Moon Knight is where he can lose himself and the other heroes are uneasy around him. So maybe that's where you introduce the MCU, Sean is the fact that maybe you introduce, I'm not sure who you do not, maybe not Scarlet Scarab, but maybe you introduce a, another um, MCU character where they're like, man, this is a, uh, this Moon Knight guy. I don't know about him. He's a little uneasy. So you could, this could be that entry point for that idea, which I would love. That's one of the most interesting aspects of, of having Moon Knight be this 
really uneasy kind of like makes the heroes go, I'm not sure this guy is good for us kind of idea, which we haven't really seen that hero really in the MCU before. And I think this version of Moon Knight with Jake Lockley, that could be it. So uh, maybe a little mini epiphany here with that. That that could be cool. I don't know if I have faith that the writing team and and the producers are maybe going to go that route, but that's a whole different story. Yeah, I really don't know where they're going to go next with this. Although I, I do think if if Arthur Harrow is dead and gone for this one, I definitely don't think Arthur Harrow has to be in the story right away again. I mean, if if this is where Arthur Harrow checks out, that's fine. I, I think he fulfilled his purpose in this story. And certainly when you think about where things could go in season two, there's enough now between Mark, Stephen, Jake and Khonshu that you don't even need another antagonist to really be part of it other than just somebody to help kind of flesh out, give these guys something to do while they're figuring out the rest of it. But I think that's where Arthur Harrow could just come back later on down the line if there becomes something to to really, you know, some reason to go for it. But certainly his ability to relate to Mark in that experience and this whole other level to decep- uh, to Conchu's deception, yeah, that that's where it could be interesting if Harrow were to ever be uh, brought back. But he remains dead and gone. That's also uh, that's also fine too. Um, as far as the costume, I didn't see an interview that interview with the costume designer or anything. But I would presume as much that if you have a, a different identity, that he will have his own Moon Knight costume. And I mean the way the way Conchu spoke about it, I when he's talking about Mark having no idea like how damaged he is. It really made me think about, man, is Jake Lockley even the only other one? Like, I know that's the other identity we think about from the comic books, but we may see even more layers to this than uh, than what we've been shown so far, because we just keep finding out that there's more to discover in the way that they've set it up with this MCU iteration. But it all just makes it interesting to me. And, and as far as this working as a tag, I like it. Maybe, it. maybe it plays better if it's before the credits, because, yeah, to that point of... Maybe it's a little less confusing for people, but I, I think most people watched it to get to that tag and then maybe it cleared up things for them uh, the last few moments before the credits or, or maybe it didn't, I don't know. But I, I think it worked the way that it could have or, or should have in that if there really is going to be a season two, then I think this holds up well as a cliffhanger from season one to get you to season two, kind of like the way things left off with Loki, although that again was before the credits, not a tag. The tag was just Loki will return in season two. So where it goes from here, I'll be interested to see, but I, I like the way I, I like the way this tag just kind of threw it up to the next appearance of, of these characters or these identities within Mark Spector. So all of that I was totally on board with. Overall with this finale, yeah, you've heard us share some criticisms of it, but I still really, really liked it. And to get to that point that I was talking about back toward the top of the show of just how these finales have gone for us so far. If I'm looking at all the Marvel Studios Disney Plus series thus far, I think Loki might be the only one where the finale is my favorite episode. Although that's not to, that's really not to criticize the finales that we have had. Like I like the last episode of, well, love the last episode of WandaVision. I love the last episode of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I mean, Cap's speech and all of, you know, Sam flying around as Captain America, throwing the shield, all of that. That's amazing. Um, of course, that Loki finale is is the stuff of legend at, at this point. 
Um, I mean, What If had a good finale on the animation side of it, and Hawkeye, I thought, had a very had an excellent finale. But as it, of that group, only Loki might have a finale that challenges as my favorite episode of the series. And even then, I'm not totally sure that it would go down as my absolute favorite. But I think part of the reason why that might be the case, and this feels like something that could be a topic that we explore in an entire episode, but to give a brief summary of why I think, brief for me, uh, of why I think that might be the case, if I'm thinking about MCU movies, just to kind of compare that with the series, like, I love the final battle type of stuff. That's great. I I love the big action and all of those things. Um, it's it's a huge part of the attraction to these stories for me and, and, and all of that. But rarely is the final battle in an MCU movie my favorite part of the movie. Might be one of my favorite parts, but it's not my favorite part or my favorite scene in a movie. And even when you have stuff like Avengers Endgame, where you just think about the final battle and it's pretty much the entire third hour of a movie or almost the entire third hour of the movie, you know, the great moments aren't necessarily the the battle moments. It's the moments in, you know, it's the moments in that battle, like not necessarily where the fighting is happening, but in between those moments, you know, Cap catching the hammer or Avengers Assemble or I Am Iron Man. You know, it's those emotional peaks within the, the battle. And so I, I think that with these series, what we have seen are very strong second to last episodes. You know, that's what a lot of these have in common previously on for WandaVision, Asylum for this series, Truth for uh, uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We've seen these second to last episodes be really, really strong. And I think that's where you do get the bigger emotional piece and you do get more attention paid to fulfilling the emotional arc of a character to let the finale be kind of the, the last major action beat, with the exception being, as I mentioned, that Loki finale, which is not action heavy. They go more action in the fifth episode and then just are sitting there talking their way through the last episode. So I think it's just the way a lot of these are paced in that the finale tends to play like the action climax of a film. And I think we love that stuff as fans, but I don't think it's what means the most to us as fans of these characters in these stories. And maybe that's why the finales don't quite measure up to some of the episodes that might be immediately before a finale or earlier in the series. Um, but that's not for me to, I don't want to speak for everybody else in their reaction. Maybe this was your favorite episode of Moon Knight. And if it was great. Um, but yeah, I've tended to notice that like, it's, I love action as a big finale for these stories. It's all good. And I'm not saying they necessarily need to change it. Although I do think more experimentation like they did with the Loki finale would probably help. Cause that would also just, uh, it would just break things up and leave us not, uh, it'd be a little bit harder for us to know exactly what to expect with how these series are going to be uh, paced from one thing to the next. But we'll see what they do on the next one with uh, with Miss Marvel in June carrying into July. But overall with this series, though, with Moon Knight, I really liked it. You've heard us praise these episodes, mostly had some criticisms here and there. But overall, I really enjoyed this series. I, I don't like with movies, I don't want to be in the business of immediately trying to rank anything or anything like that. I just know that this series was was very good. I, I Over time, I, I don't expect it to challenge something like WandaVision, which just to this day is still like the most special feeling I've had at the end of these Marvel Studios Disney Plus series. 
but um, but I I really like this one, and it is a strong contender when we look at you know what will be the best series of the year. There, it has put something there that will be difficult for Miss Marvel and and She Hulk to live up to, but. Um, certainly there is, you know, there is a bar that the other shows I think are capable of clearing, but I, I enjoyed this one a lot. I think Moon Knight is, was, was solid overall. I like, there are things I loved about it. There's, there are things I didn't really like about it a lot. I think there is a lot to, to work on the second season and, and, you know, but, but at the same time, you know, that episode five asylum episode is an all timer, man. It was, and again, I've gone on and on already about it, but that was a, that was a real gut punch and, and maybe some of the, the worst and best ways, uh, that I think any kind of art can, can, can reach you. And I, that will always be a very special moment for me. And I gotta tell you that the, I thought all the moon Knight stuff was fantastic. Both Mr. Knight and moon Knight looked great. Uh, Oscar Isaac was incredible. Um, I don't, I just didn't love all, some of the direction they took with the character to me, Moon Knight flourishes more when he's in more of a city, you know, like aspect and you focus mainly on Conchu and Mark and then, the, you know, as far as, you know, the brutality that he's going through and the uneasiness that he has, which they, they do have that in this, in the series, but there's more of like a conflict between, you know, Steven and Mark. And those are, th- those are all new aspects. I really liked. And then I wasn't expecting necessarily, I had maybe had some, I maybe had some expectation, but they, I thought they executed all the new, th- a lot of the new things they, they brought into the moon Knight mythos, Sean. I really, I, I did like for the most part, but overall, I think the direction of the overall character may have been mis- misplaced for me, I, just for me. And, you know, and I, I think that season two could bring more of that in. And I think that if they definitely change it up a little bit and go more of like the, the urban route of the city and, and having that aspect more, I think, and just put it more, not in the MCU, but more in that world, I think, and less Indiana Jones influenced I think it's going to be a stronger part of the character, especially if you consider, I think, where they're going to go with the whole Jake Lockley thing and how there's a disturbed version of Moon Knight. And I think going into the idea of this uneasy alliance with Khonshu, which I think if, if you're going to continue Moon Knight, that's what you have to do. So, but overall, this, this season, I think, is is solid. I liked it more than I disliked it. Um, I don't think I hated anything, but just it just wasn't quite what I what I expected necessarily. And I think the major, I think my my most, the biggest criticism criticism I would have is I need more Moon Knight overall. And I think that's where I think a lot of people, I've seen a, most of criticism, I think, overall, the most consistent, I'd say. And the one I probably would say I agree with the most, and I think that they probably misjudged, or I'm not even sure misjudge is the right word, but I think they, they, they need to have more Moon Knight overall. And I'm not sure if it's a budget issue or what, but they need to have more Moon Knight just kicking butt to be honest. And I think that if they do that next season. They need to really invest a little bit more. I'm not sure if it's money or I'm not sure what they need to do as far as that goes, but they just need to have more moon night in the series and have him more, more prevalent. Cause I felt like we, every time he was on screen, it looked amazing. And then it, it, it just, it, I just want more of that. I don't, I love the emotional aspects too, but I want to see moon night. I, I, I watched this for superhero stuff. I don't want it to be Netflix, Netflix light where it's instead <laughs> of having them in hoodies, yeah. they have them in, uh, this will have them only show up for like a couple minutes. I, w- I want a good episode with moon Knight in it. We got a couple of those episode two, obviously was incredible. Uh, episode three was, you know, was, was, was good. Wasn't quite episode two, 
Uh, episode six was, I thought, with Moon Knight was was solid as far as the character and costume and everything was was mostly good. My favorite part of the episode, but we need more Moon Knight overall. I want him in costume, so let's get that right in a little bit next season, um, and let's uh, let's do that. And I think we'll be we'll be set. But that overall, I liked it. Didn't love it. I think the series will move into more of that. You know, the urban crime fri- uh, crime fighter sort of thing that we've seen yeah. from Moon Knight in the past. And I, I think in the comic books anyway, like I, I think it will do that because I think they have as far as the I mean, I, I think they did the right move as kind of a. I mean, it's not strictly speaking an origin story because it it addresses right. the origin, but the entire the plot of the of this series is not the origin of, of Moon Knight, whereas it is, you know, we when we see origin stories in superhero movies and stuff like that. So it wasn't quite that, but it did need to dive into the origin, uh, the origins of the character. And I, I do think it was the right move for this season to explore the Egyptian mythology and go through all that. All that stuff I, I thought was great and it played very, very well. But I also feel like there's this completely other side to the character from the comic books that is also amazing. And I think that is something that I think they have actually set themselves up to explore it. I think that's kind of what the tag is throwing it right. to. And and I think that th- when you think about the issues that they've resolved, right? Like I, I do kind of feel like the gods take a back seat for a little while, no pun intended with the whole limo thing, but like, I do think that's what happens for a little while. Cause all these other avatars were wiped out. Now I know the gods can find replacements and with relative ease or or so I would think, but Amit is gone, supposedly a non-issue anymore. And um you do have active avatars in, in Jake Lockley and uh Layla Alfuli as uh as the Scarlet Scarab. So you have some of that, but a lot of the other stuff feels like it it's set aside to focus on other things. Then eventually it could, you know, circle back to it, of course. But yeah, I do think we're moving into a different phase for these characters. And I think it, it will expand even more when we see, I still think inevitably we are going to see Oscar Isaac sharing the screen with guys like Mahershala Ali and Kit Harrington. Like, I think all of that stuff is, is going to happen. It's, it's on its way in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So a lot of exciting directions uh, that it can go. And I, I think there will be some things that are more closely aligned with what uh, a lot of fans have come to expect from the comic books, uh, comic books. But I do agree wholeheartedly, there does need to be more Moon Knight. As much as I love this series, it did, uh, I would share that criticism of it didn't have enough actual Moon Knight in it, which was one of my concerns just coming out of the very first teaser trailer that we got for the series was, oh, it... Kind of seems like there may not be a whole uh, a whole lot of Moon Knight in the Moon Knight show. That proved to be true. What we got of Moon Knight and including Mister Knight in that was awesome. Just want more of that awesomeness as we move forward in this series. Because um, yeah, we just we always want more. That's that's the nature Absolutely. of being a fan. But uh, that is it for our spoiler review series on Moon Knight. That is it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you as always for joining us. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to this and also enjoyed the Moon Knight finale. We have more stuff on the way on MCU Fan Show, of course, and as we mentioned at the top, really not that far away from spoiler reviews for Miss Marvel, and we are very much looking forward to that. And we will talk about other MCU stuff and Obi-Wan Kenobi 
over on Fan Show Plus, which you can access Ooh. via premium subscription at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you follow us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. Paul, where can these wonderful people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Also, uh, go and subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Comic Binge, where we just interviewed uh, the writer Natalie Grand, who wrote an awesome independent comic called Cult Girls. Really interesting, unique book. Uh, I would talk about it for you know under an hour, and she was great. Um, awesome conversation so check that out um we have some more fun stuff happening uh spider-man council gets back together at the end of the month so lots of fun stuff there so yeah check us out and you can find me on twitter and instagram at mr sean gerber so for paul i'm sean thanks for listening we'll see you next time What I meant to say was, laters, gators.